Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Yes, welcome back to another podcast. It's just me, Tim, and Jacko again, having a chat about something which I have become more passionate about the more that I've thought about it. And the, the subject is stop moving through pain. I mean, that sounds like a ridiculous thing to talk about, but some of you be sat there going, oh, crikey, this one's for me. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you're not. Hopefully it isn't for anyone, but we just know that there is definitely people out there. We've been there before ourselves in the past that when you're stuck in that pain cycle, you really need, um, yeah, you really need some encouragement and someone to give you a few little tools and, and, and tidbits to be able to break that cycle mentally. We talk about breaking that cycle mentally and then also going into the details of like what you can actually then go and do to uh, to get yourself out of that cycle and get yourself pain-free and at your back at your very best. So one thing we want to talk to you about before we get started is just to say a massive thank you for the guys at Hemp Heroes who are sponsoring the podcast. These guys have got some incredible range of products of super high quality, all organic, and a a premium full-spectrum CBD extract, which is the industry gold standard. So if you've been interested or curious about CBD and using it and the potential benefits, we cannot recommend these guys highly enough, and they've got some great products. And Jacko, you've been having a bit of a play around um, with, with using some of these for your training and recovery as well. Yeah, I've been uh, using it the last couple of months. It's something I've always wanted to try and then got introduced to uh, David, one of the owners of Hemp Hero, and talking. I was looking for, I was trying to get something that I knew I could trust and was safe and was legal. Um, and the fact that theirs is 100% organic, it's EU certified, it's lab tested, um, gives you me the confidence to uh, try. I've been using it for the last couple of uh, months, particularly in and around uh, just before bedtime, helping massively with uh, recovery and with sleep and so you know it's something that i would if that's if you'd like to or interested and have been interested in cbd or but looking for something that you can take that you can trust then uh, we would recommend highly recommend hemp heroes and as school of calisthenics podcast listeners uh, we've got a 10 percent discount code for you so you can get 10 percent off any of their products um that is using code soc10 that's soc10 and the link for um, the hemp heroes website is in the show notes but just for reference it is hempheroes.co.uk and uh, if you're interested the drops that i've been using have been there the um, the highest strength the high strength uh, drops just drop them under the tongue before bed and uh, away she goes it's actually a really interesting one and fits in perfect with the subject of this podcast around yeah. pain because some of the research around CBD oil and the usage of it is that it can help to decrease pain and also decrease inflammation. So take on board some of the stuff that we've talked about, about how you can change your mindset towards your training and how you can put practices in place which are going to help to move out of pain, but something which could potentially be of benefit for you to get that pain response decrease and start that, re- that uh, repair and regeneration process could be some CBD oils. And that's what the research is suggesting where some of the real value of this sort of stuff is so a nice little partnership of this little podcast and the awesome sponsors from the guys at hemp hero so thank you to them yeah let's uh let's get started this podcast timbo There's a possibility we're going to get opinionated on this week's podcast. I am certainly sensing some opinions and I want to speak some real truth on this one because I have been in this situation myself before and I'm now not in that situation. And the situation we're talking about is pain. And being in pain and what are we doing to get ourselves 
out or stop doing that or just or just opening uh, partly opening up the conversation of like what 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 is what is pain and what's tolerable and what's good and what's not good um and just trying to change perceptions potentially a little bit on that by shedding where we're at with it um now and probably where it is now compared to where it's been in the past depending on what your sport is etc um, may have changed things but something i've got for you towards the end timbo is i've got a little um I've, i stole it from um uh from z health uh, from my, my friend dr cobb but um his he's got a breathing exercise and you know i love my breathing at the moment um and james nestor is advocate in his book as well but there's a nice little breathing exercise that you can do that's real simple um, but uh, the research into it has shown that it can help reduce pain and even cure people from chronic pain by literally doing this for a, a couple of minutes a day. We'll we I'll that save later, that for later. Are we? We'll do that later. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's get into a little bit around. Just let's let's put some context around it. Let's understand what we mean. First off, before we get into detail of my opinions and Jacko's <laughs> opinions, hopefully. When we're talking about pain, pain is an incredibly complex, um, let's call it a condition or signal for, for this point, which we're not going to dive into the science of pain. And it is a huge, huge area. It's a medical field in itself for understanding pain. But from a training perspective, what we're talking about is if you've got acute pain, so you've got something which is caused by an injury or tissue damage, we're going to get some level of swelling, bleeding or bruising. And that might be internally, you may not be able to see it if it's in your shoulder, for example, or it could be surface level, depending on the type of trauma that's been caused. As a result, the body is going to begin a healing process. Now, the, the point of pain is the brain t- trying to tell you to change your behavior. So in, in, acute, in, 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 acute, ah, in acute pain, there's too many A's in there. The brain is literally saying, what you're doing is, is, is not good for the system. I'm telling you that you need to change what you're doing or you need to do something differently. It could be as simple right in that moment of, I've st- st- stepped on a thorn or some glass, move your foot, because that is now compromising or causing damage to the system. So from a very top surface level, we have acute pain, which is sort of like an, an immediate pain response to a, to a source of that, uh, that, that trauma. Chronic pain is something which is... It happens when you've got something which may have been hurting for a long time. So you could be a year, two, three, four years of of having constant or or regular pain. That's what we would define as more like chronic pain. So most people, most of the time, are when we're talking about the context of this conversation, we're probably going to lean more towards acute pain. If you've got chronic pain as a result of an injury and you've still got chronic pain, then we can touch on that. But that's kind of slightly more... It gets complicated, right, Jacko, when we get into that sort of things. But still, it's one of the... like. If we're this conversation, hopefully, will be helpful in stopping that if someone's in an acute pain situation, that they're not going to then turn it into a chronic pain situation because they don't listen to the body and do anything to actually try and, and get out of that sort of injury cycle or pain cycle. Yeah, and I think that the thing that, that the message that I really want to communicate on this is, is I've. <laughs> People in calisthenics, training calisthenics, and, and to be fair, most forms of, well, any of, of higher <laughs> intensity training these days, I mean, mm. runners, just people that go out for jogs will, will, will be in pain. And 
you know, if you've got a, if you've got a trained eye towards sort of biomechanics, you can see people when they run, like like we would do. You know what a gate should look like, uh, a running gate, and you can often look at them and go, "Crikey, I bet you're in pain sometimes," because it just the body's not moving in through optimal patterns. And the caveat from that is, I once went down to the London Marathon, stood at mile 22, saw the elite women coming through, and was absolutely appalled by their running biomechanics, <laughs> but they were running five minute miles for 26 miles. So, they have a caveat on that one. But this, this idea that if we are in pain when we are training, then that's not a good thing. Like we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be in, in pain. But lots of us who have experienced some level of consistent training or high-intensity work will find ourselves at some point with a niggle or with something which is causing us a bit of irritation. And, and hopefully sometimes, or more often than not, that is a relatively sort of minor incidence. It goes away after a few days because we take pre- preventative action against it. But the brain is is actually a fairly poor communicator. It doesn't if something is wrong with the system, the only thing that it's got that it can communicate you with to you with is pain. Now, where the problem comes is that as humans, we are too driven towards a training objective. Let's sometimes say addicted to a training program, which means we just have to keep training because it starts to really we, we basically can't take time off when we're injured or when we're getting these pain sensations. So we try and do the, the brave thing of we're going to push through it. Now, that's all right in a rugby match if you're going to get to the end of a game with 10 minutes. But if you are constantly trying to push through pain on a week and monthly basis, you are just ignoring the very sensible and very clever message that the brain is trying to tell you. Not clever message. The brain is very clever and sensible and it's trying to tell you a message and you're ignoring it. Yeah. And it, that's, it comes back to that thing of like listening listening to our body the, like you said pain is complex the body is complex and amazing in its complexity and it has this ability to talk to you but we have to potentially depending on what our previous background is like and your approach to your training it, it may or may not be the time to to think about this a little differently and, and try to take that on board now one thing i wanted to say was we're not there's a very it's a different it's a very different thing we're talking about compared to the sort of or the lactic acid like burning sensation in my quads when I'm doing whatever it is that you're doing. Um, like that's discomfort and someone might describe that as pain, but it's not pain like an injury. It's just that the there's a lot of like let's say like lactic acid building up and there's some there's discomfort there that might be described as pain, but it's not pain like I've injured myself compared to like um, a lot of people, um, if they're doing things like ring muscle ups, we've covered this in our muscle up program, like a preventative um elbow um exercises to to ensure that this doesn't happen but people for overdoing like pull-up patterns or false grip patterns can end up with like golfer's elbow which will be pain on the inside of the elbow and that is like a it's a it's a pain you know it's pain you know it's pain that's bad pain it's like it's a stabby pain it's 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 a pain that's happening when you shouldn't be getting pain you're doing something like just washing the dishes and your elbow's still hurting at you like that shouldn't that shouldn't be the case and we want to yeah open up that conversation really um and give people some some keys some key things around i think of of how to go about changing when you get into that sort of that pattern i think for me one of the biggest things is is our mindset towards it like you said tim are are we a little bit addicted to our training or our training program we feel like oh i can't i can't take this time off because i'm going to lose all of my gains um, and you're starting to get a bit of a pain, a bit of a niggle. And what you'll probably find is that let's take the pull-up example. I bet that the no, like your strength in your pull-ups will start to get affected because there's a thing called like pain inhibition is a real thing that 
not only is the brain so the brain like Tim said brain's clever it's giving you that signal of pain and then you ignore that and carry on going through and then the brain was going right you're going to carry on doing this well I'm going to wind back some of the strength that you've got so you're putting less force through that painful joint because that's going to be one way of like I want you to protect us by stopping doing that until we've recovered or do some uh, preventative stuff or some prehab rehab type of um, exercises um, and you're just ignoring that and you'll just carry on doing your pull-ups. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make pull-ups. I'm going to protect us by not giving you as strength in pull-ups. I mean, partly that might be that you, in the hope that you're going to stop doing them as well, potentially, because they start feeling worse. But that can put you mentally in a bit of a cycle of them feeling not as strong. So then you're actually going, oh, I, I, I don't want to stop training because I'm, I feel like I'm getting a bit weaker already. I need to carry on training. Otherwise, I'm going to lose all those gains. And the, the biggest thing that we need to do is break that cycle. But in order to break that cycle, we've got to change something mentally in our approach to understanding that. Would you agree with that, Monty? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, like it's, you know, when you break it down and you try and put it into like a little bit of, of, of just frame it within just how we would normally do our life. Right? It's a grumbling kind of like when we talk about acute pain, especially something like elbow pain and calisthenics or wrist pain, it's, it's a sort of thing which you can kind of work around or you can just tolerate it. It's, it's not like crippling pain where you're like, I need to stop doing that. You can get through a session, but everyone knows when they're training with a level of pain that it's not actually a good thing. But if you take that same kind of um, idea and put it into any other time or period or situation in your life. Say that I'm stepping on some, a stone outside. I'm barefoot. I'm outside. I'm stepping on a stone. It's not excruciating pain. But if I put my foot down on a stone, I don't keep doing it. Like I start looking a bit more where I'm going to put my feet or I change the way that I'm walking. I kind of tiptoe a little bit more. Or I try and get to a point where, like, you know, when you go on holiday and you used to be it's like you're in Europe and they've, they're, you're running across the concrete and it is like baking hot. <laughs> like you don't stand there and keep walking on it. Like you run and then you jump in a swimming pool or whatever. But in yeah. training, we have this different kind of mindset towards pain where we just keep inflicting it on us. Like rather I just than think changing that's... the situation where you go, I'm going to go and jump in the water or I'm going to go and stand in the shade because that hurts. We, in training, we go, oh, I'm going to do that again tomorrow. Like it's just it's 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 crazy. It's a beautiful analogy that I would, it's making me smile and making me laugh. Not because it's like, it is funny, but it's not funny if you're the person listening that is, currently in that pain and then the, the pennies just dropped and you're going yeah that's there, there'll be definitely someone there's got to be one there'll be more than one person <laughs> listening to this right now that is literally going actually yeah that's me i'm about to go i'm gonna go train this afternoon and i've been in pain for the last few weeks months years or whatever and guy like, that that i like that that just little simple analogy because we've all done it mm. um that really i think that's going to be powerful for some people listening that's hopefully going to be the spark that changes of, of, of what you're doing and so you can get yourself back out get yourself out of pain but back to your best that's the yeah. thing that we want get yourself back to your best and that's it i think you're right when you say about this a mental approach because if you if you're going to a training session whether you're into crossfit calisthenics weightlifting powerlifting bodybuilding whatever it might be but every time you're going in you're trying to avoid that thing that's giving you pain or you're just gritting through and like yeah look let's talk about it from a strength and conditioning perspective of, of training yeah. athletes 
there's a there's a there's a space for for training around pain all right so i'm not saying don't train so say for example your shoulder hurts it doesn't mean you can't go and train lower body you can but every time you put yourself in a movement pattern which is causing you pain you're aggravating that trauma on the tissue it's not getting better if the brain is telling you that it hurts now the exception to that is sometimes a physio during rehabilitation of a shoulder or tendon or something like that will, will allow you to tolerate a level of pain so that could be four or five on a on a scale of one to ten now this is partly where we get into this chronic pain conversation where, the, where pain can be a learnt response so the brain might feel like it's okay if I do that position that hurts because I've learnt it because I've done so much repetition it's almost like a memory of pain so they've got there's got to come a point sometimes where you've got to move through that and you've got to teach the brain that actually it's not that significant it's not significant yeah. enough that I don't need I need to stop that's that chronic pain response where we're trying to get past a, a significant or traumatic injury. But if I've got, if I'm working with an athlete in the gym and they come to me and tell me they're in pain, I don't even bother trying to fix it. If it's a serious pain, I'm like, go and see the physio, go and see the physio, get someone who's who specialist and understands pain to have a look at it. And then when the physio has seen it, assessed it, made a diagnosis because as a strength and conditioning coach I'm not qualified to make a diagnosis this physio can then feed back to me and say this is what it is these are the patterns to exert to, to avoid this is the level of sort of intensity or exertion you can put down onto these different structures or patterns or whatever it might yeah. be so when someone gets in touch with us which is regularly um, through social or whatever it might be my back hurts when I do this my shoulder hurts when I do this the, the, 10 times out of 10 Jack and I'll go go and see a physio because that's the sensible thing to do. Now, what a lot of people are asking, looking for is for us to go, oh, it's okay, just keep working through it or do try this magic pill that we've been hiding from the world, which just <laughs> gets rid of pain. It's, it, it, this comes from a level of maturity, I think, of, in my training um, background of having been in pain, worked through pain or tried to work through pain and understand that what happens is that pain doesn't just go away by itself. You've got to change your practices. And if you need regular, if you're training and you, you're paying weekly or on a regular basis for restorative interventions, whether that be osteo, osteos, regular physio, regular sports tissue, uh, sports soft tissue massage, now those things are all good and they all have a place. And if you're having a soft tissue massage because it's helping you to recover, that's great. They're all positive things. Working with a physio for some corrective stuff is great. But if you're doing it, to get you out of pain to a point where you can go and train again, which then puts you back in training. There is something fundamentally wrong with the way that you're training or the way that you're moving because your system can't handle it, is what it's saying. Yeah. Pain is telling you that you are doing something that it doesn't like. So you've either got to take some time out to fix it, put some more corrective programs in there, give the body time to heal, just some rest and some time off. It gets complicated. There's somebody that, that if, if someone's got sort of chronic pain, they can't get rid of. Now that that gets a little bit different. But the, the whole point of this conversation is to try and encourage people to go. If you're in pain, just take a couple of weeks to fix it. Because mm. continuing to train in that state is only going to make it longer. You're going to drag it out, and you're just going to, as Jacko said before, you're going to compromise any long-term potential adaptation you're going to create because you're you're fighting against something which your brain is telling you is is not is not happy about. Yeah, and if you if you don't do something about that, what ends like what Tim was then talking about? Also, another layer that will happen on top of that is potentially you the the brain is and the body is very clever. It it then starts to you start to move a little bit differently to protect that 
particular injured joint or whatever it or body part. So you then start to have this like compromised movement pattern or dysfunctional movement pattern when you're doing your push-ups or your pull-ups or whatever it may be. And that might get you like you might get through that session. It's like, oh yeah, it's not too bad when I do it like this. Um, but then all that you're doing is actually like shifting that trauma like potentially to somewhere else. So it started with your elbow and then now your shoulder's hurting. Um, and it's that you, you, you're just sort of passing that around a bit rather than we've got to do something to, to as Tim said, like break that cycle. If you need to go and see some, some expertise, go and, go and do that. Um, and just take, take encouragement that by taking some time out to deal with that and get it, and get it sorted. You have, um, Tim's used this phrase before injury is an opportunity to, like use them as an opportunity, an opportunity to get better at something else and come back better. Um, but not even that, like, because um, I don't really like that phrase, to be fair, of, of like, coming up, I'm going to come back stronger because it's always this, like, this like, thing of just striving and pushing more, which is probably going to put you back towards that position. You don't want to come back better, you just want to come back pain-free. And like that, will, that will be better, but like, that's just a, that's a turn of phrase probably is the only difference. But come back pain-free and be at your best i think that's the that's the important thing and you know from my personal experience um i remember talk pre calisthenics and talking about like playing rugby i just i remember having conversations with guys where you know you'd look around the changing room and i can't i can't recall you a game where i didn't have some level of pain of something um and looking around the changing room you see everyone everyone's taped up and we're that's just what we that's that's what you needed to do at the time to get through a game and through a season and, and what have you um and it had its place there we also probably uh in a weird way probably made yourself it made you feel good that you were like working through it like rather than being you know you'd get called soft like straight up that's what that's what, what would um what would happen um and I found it difficult to start with coming out of rugby into just like normal life training, let's call it. Whereas I still had this ingrained like mentality about training. We talked about it earlier on that we were being interviewed on another podcast and I said that, you know, the first time Tim tried to do a human flag, he said, this is the position my shoulder would normally dislocate it in. And my stupidity of my rugby head was like, shut up, mate, just get on with it. Like, because it was like, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking, whereas I wouldn't say that now at all, but when you've done something a certain way mentally for such a long period of time it can take it can be i just empathize with people if you are in that situation it can take a long time and it can be difficult to break the cycle the mental cycle is what i'm talking about can you break that mental cycle because then once you broke i firmly believe once you've broken that mental cycle the physical changing your habits physically is far easier because it's your decisions from your mind and your, your brain that's going to actually decide whether you do that. So if you can if you can break that that cycle mentally and just yeah take encouragement that taking that time out you're not going to lose all your gains. You will come back better in a in a not in pain anymore, and that will help you progress longer term. As you as you tapped on there, like just you can't make progress when every session is is you're in pain. You just don't. You just stand still or just slowly dying. Well, I think that's where you've got to you've got to differentiate between what's your outcome and what's the purpose of why you do what you do. So in an athletic perspective, 100% um, in sports, you will get somebody to the Olympics or the Paralympics if they and manage their pain throughout that. But we all recognize if that happens, if, if one of our best athletes gets injured 
six weeks out from the games. It's a disaster, but we will do whatever we can do to get them through it. We'll send them to intensive rehabilitation units. We'll, we'll work through different pain management strategies to get them to a point where they've got an opportunity to compete because they've been trying to, or they've been working towards it for four years. In a rugby season, you're, you've committed to being a rugby player. So the job is to play rugby for seven months of the year. So you, you put yourself through that because that's, that's the, that's the gig, right? That's, that's what you signed up for. Now, if you're training for fitness, health, well-being, just rocking up at the gym and, and, and putting a, be- a good shift in all the time for, for personal betterment, I'm not saying that's, that's not something that we should, we should strive for. Those are all equally valuable. But when there's no time limit and there's no pressure, there's no need to, to, to push yourself for these short-term um, wins. Like you, you've got to, the, the, particularly when you start getting into the realm of things like tendon injuries, overuse injuries, repetitive strain injuries, where you've got tissue breakdown, these connective tissues, tendons, ligaments, fascial tissue, they take a long time to heal. The blood supply to, the, to those tissues, the connective tissues, is, is less than it is to the muscles. So sometimes it, what will happen is a tendon will continue to, to cause significant like, dis, dis, or, or irritation for a period of time because it just takes that much longer to heal. I remember when we were chatting to Ian Horsley, one of our um, uh, shoulder specialist physiotherapists at the, at the EIS, a friend of ours, and he was saying every time you're training, so if you've got a shoulder tendon issue, every time you're training and you're causing yourself pain, you're effectively fraying that tendon. So you're causing repetitive trauma. Now, I had a shoulder niggle at the beginning of the year. It came off the back of some relatively uneven loading patterns. And if I'm honest, I knew that there was something there that wasn't right, but it wasn't causing me pain. But I could feel how I was moving, that just something wasn't wasn't quite quite firing properly ignored it, dropped through some different like high intensity, low intensity weeks or non-existent training weeks where tenors don't like that too much. And then the start of the year came back and was like struggling with a, with a supraspinatus tendon um, injury or irritation. You could, I probably could have kept pushing through it and just avoided the, the positions. But the thing, that you, the thing that you've got to realize is that sometimes these things would take time and I'm now pain-free because I took action fairly early. And, and just to talk you through the process, really, I wanted to give you some takeaways of what do you do if you're in pain? If you've got acute pain, like what should you do? So whilst I mentioned going to a physiotherapist before, not all of us have got access to a good physiotherapist. Not all of us have got the funds to be able to just jump straight in to go and get, get, get seen by a physio. So what I did was take an initial course of corrective action I was like I'm going to try and work out what this is and and that basics is around I need to understand what it is irritating the, the, the problem so I know what positions would cause me pain which was I imagine you're doing a bar over a overhead rotation it was anything which is kind of going back behind um, the body I'd got some issues into some abduction sort of lifting my hand up to the side so I know what's causing the pain. So I'm now going to go and try and put some interventions in place to see if I can improve it. And, and this is something that Z Health will talk about, this test-retest process of if I go and do some rolling exercise or I start trying to do some more stability exercises and then I retest that movement, has the pain increased or or has it stayed the same, got, got better, whatever it might be? If it's got better, the brain is telling me that it likes that. So I should do more of it. Now, if I keep doing that, but the pain keeps coming back, there's something else which is the root cause of the problem. I'm only kind of like patching up a symptom rather than getting down to the root cause of it. 
So I tried that for about three weeks and then I was like, I'm not making any progress with this. I'm getting some kind of relief, but I'm not significantly seeing some improvements. So I got in touch with Gemma. We've mentioned Gemma's, she's like our go-to physio now. <laughs> Gemma Jefferson, absolute legend and great friend of ours. So she had a quick look at it. Basically it turns out that my rotator cuff is not firing well enough. So my lats and pecs on my right shoulder were just taking up all the load. So trying to do some isolated rotator cuff activation work, I was struggling to differentiate between lats and pecs just banging on and going right it's great stability we got it to the subtle movement that i need my rotator cuff to do basically sucking the humeral head the, the, the bone of my upper arm into the foster on the scapula it couldn't do that compression and that's its major job so when it does that what it's doing is creating the stability which allows the pecs and lats to start to do their job now that's the root cause of the problem the symptom then as a result of that was this irritation with my tendon. So now I can start training the rotator cuff exercises, which I did and got some really good like improvements on them. But there was still a point where I've got to let that tendon heal. So I can go and say, all right, I know what the problem is now, but I still need to give this four or five, six weeks, let that tendon recover, stop loading it, stop fraying it. And then I'm going to come to a point where I'm actually going to be better off because I've gone and done something which has addressed a weak link in the chain anyway i've gone and taken care of the root cause but within that i've allowed the injury to heal itself golfer's elbow a similar story i had that when we first started calisthenics i remember being going into 2016 which was a really busy year for us because we were, we were training the swimming squad for the paralympics and it was so busy that i just didn't train and surprise surprise about four or five weeks of not much training because we were working so much went back in and golfer's elbow is gone and why? Because I stopped stressing the tissue. I stopped creating that overload. And, and that's, I think, um, my, my real kind of takeaway message from that, from this is that if you, the, the tissue has only got so much capacity for loading and you might enjoy training and you might be having a really seeing progress in the, in the gains and stuff. But a lot of this, these things that we're talking about can be avoided if you act early. So rather than getting a pain signal and just go, oh, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going okay, what's going to happen if you're getting pain signal, you keep pushing in, I guarantee that'll turn into an injury because that's what the brain is going to tell you. It's warning you in those early stages. So if you start feeling pain over one or two sessions, three sessions or whatever, start thinking about what do I need to do to correct it? So it could be that if it's a forearm, for example, it's golfer's elbow, you've overloaded those tendons. So let's go to some hands-on self-massage release. Let's get on a ball. Let's do some strengthening exercises. If that's you, we've got a highlights on our Instagram stories of a very quick series that I did around that, which you can check out. Take some preventative action. Stop loading the pattern, which is causing it pain. So you might move to push-based patterns rather than doing so much pulling work, or you might drop off your ring muscle-up training. Give it some time to settle down. And then when you come back to it, just load it more gently just start to increase that you don't want to drop loading off completely so don't stop doing anything keep some level of loading in there because it helps you to keep that tissue integrity moving forwards but you're going to have to kind of go this is the cause of the problem try and work out what it is try and put something early in if you get on top of it early 90 percent of the time you can just heal it yourself through rest and some basic corrective exercise if you're past that then you're at the point where you need to go and get a physio to give you some help and then when they tell you what to do do it. And then what we all do with physio, because it's not as interesting as strength and conditioning, for example, that's a nod to all the physios, is that when we get better and we're not in pain anymore, we stop doing physio exercises because mm. they're not very interesting and they're really hard. So the best thing that you can do is, is continue to see that as improving your chassis. 
and start going, well, I'm not in pain anymore, but I'm going to give this another couple of weeks. You've got to get ahead to give yourself a little bit of margin so that when you start to ramp the intensity, you've got some foundations to sit on. Yeah, and you can use some of those um, exercises in your warm-up still, like for, for uh, just some of your prep work, activation work, To be is, is one of the of, often things that you're going to be doing as part of that, um, part of those physio exercises. One thing I wanted to say was um, that all comes back, like that comes back to the fact that you are listening to your body early and getting on top of it early. So like, just listen out for those signals um and i think the th- thing i wanted to mention was that because one thing it might be it might be your body telling it's telling you yes you're in pain but it might be also the fact that like you have to ask yourself that question if you're training quite a lot am i overtraining and am i and we've done podcasts on overtraining so you can you can delve a bit more into that but it, i would be asking myself that question if you are picking up injuries all the time or niggles all the time like are you actually recovering from the sessions that you're doing or are you overtraining and and you need to you need to think about that as a just an overarching thing for it all, as well as that um, that sort of uh, detail on how we might go about dealing with getting on something early and dealing with it. Uh, it takes a lot of discipline. I think that's uh, what yeah. you're great at. That was the exact word that I was going to use. I was like, this yeah. is a, it. It probably demands more discipline than anything else because you yeah, love training and it makes you yeah. feel good and you want to do it. But you've got to you've got to look at it and, and go okay, I've overloaded something, something's not happy. It doesn't mean you can stop training. This is where I think you've got, where you've got a diversity of training that you do that you just switch the focus for a bit. So you're going to, you know what, my upper body's a bit smashed. I'm just going to go and do a bit more running. I'm going to go and get in the trail runs or focus on lower body sessions or whatever it, whatever it might be. Um, And, and yeah, it's just, it, it is hard. So if anyone's sat there going, yeah, I'm in pain. I really find it difficult to take my foot off the gas. Like I feel you, I've been there Mm. on that one. But I think it's it is it helps when you start realizing the the potential long term gains and and just to give you an example of that, go back to the shoulder exercises and and injury that I talked about. When I came back in to handstand training off the back of that, my like straight line handstand end range felt unbelievable, the best it's ever felt. And and why is that? Well, I've just upgraded my rotator cuff. So in that overhead position, my rotator cuff was just more able to create stability around the shoulder. But I was coming up and just hitting that straight line. Like, you know, the bit was really quite normally quite difficult to really get yourself into that end, like dead straight position. And it just felt amazing. And I was like, well, okay, I've had an injury. I've gone and done something which was not ideal. Like I didn't feel like I was working that hard on my shoulder for a few weeks, but I've come back from that and I'm actually now ready to go and kick on again and in a better place than when I left off. But it's, as you say, Jacko, it's just absolute discipline. Nobody wants to do it, but we would all agree that we would also, none of us want to be in pain. None of us want to be injured. So it's, you've got to kind of just balance that out of going, I'm getting a warning time to shift focus, time to do something differently because that goes back to the point we made right at the start of going, you step on something, put your hand on a hot stove, burn yourself. You don't even think about, I'm not going to go and put my hand <laughs> on the on the stove again because that was hot. Because well, you, you, say, you say that, right? There's, here's a good story for you. This tells you a little bit about me in comparison to the old stark opposite of Tim. <laughs> I was once doing some DIY, right? And I went to cut a wire thinking that I'd turn the mains off. And I cut a wire, I went to like cut the wire and I touched it and it like flipping zapped my, my hand. <laughs> so at that point, what did I do? I went, hmm. and then I just went back to it and proceeded <laughs> and cut it and it properly like blew me like across the other side of the room. And I was like, 
that was then the second then I went and turned the power off and I was like what am I I remember I had a little word myself I was like you are an idiot and that was very lucky <laughs> is that a bit where it continues on from this the, the brain's perception of threat isn't there obviously not threatened enough yeah it was like oh. being electrocuted yeah and then it was yeah uh, yeah um right let's finish there and i said at the beginning one thing we can finish on is just uh and this is a is a very simple breathing exercise say doc stole it from dr cobb not stole it like he wants people to use it um <laughs> And, you know, and it, people with it, some people have read the James Nestor book as well, um, where they talk about the fact that there's some research showing, literally the research showing that this can help with pain prevention. Uh, our ideal breath being um, around breath rate. So it's about slowing down your breath rate being around 5.5 to 6 breaths per minute, which effectively six breaths per minute, 60 seconds in a minute means we want to be doing like a 10 second breath, which if you're not used to doing it, it's going to feel quite a lot slower than than normal you're going to breathe in and out through the nose but that's linked to making your diaphragm um or activate your diaphragm which is good for vagal tone which again links into this sort of this calming relaxing reducing of pain parasympathetic response so it would be an in and out of the nose the total um rep if you like the total uh, breath is going to be 10 seconds it's two seconds in a two second pause four seconds out and then a two-second pause before you go again. So it's in for two and a pause, so like four, and then out for four and a pause, so six. So we're slowing down that exhale has been shown to give a, a, a tap into that parasympathetic response. So it's, it is relaxing, and um, it can be done to help reduce uh, pain. So the research says it's the type of thing that you could do. Six breaths would take you a minute. Um, time yourself so you know you're doing it before bed or first thing in the morning something like that can be just not to it's going to help you potentially it might help potentially reduce some pain but that's not to then say you then go and carry on doing those things that were making you um making you making making that pain happen it's just something to help you get out of pain but then make sure you're doing all the stuff you need to do to address it but could so, that be my right? I think honest, honest question, Jacko. In yeah. terms of um, starting to just de- like just downregulate the system a little bit, so it mm. can actually relax and then get into more of a, re- a restorative, repairing state. So if we we're constantly yes. in high tension, running around with anxiety, the breast, the, the, the the body and the brain is is on high alert. That's flight or flight sense. Yes. Bringing that back down to a more calmed state means that the brain can go, okay, we're not under stress anymore. Let's focus on fixing the things which have been stressed throughout the day. 100%. So anything where you're slowing down, slowing down breath rate, particularly the, the exhale being longer than the inhale, is showing to get us into that sort of restorative state, yeah, that rest, digest, that recover, get us out of that fight or flight, that stress response. So when we're, when we're stressed through whatever we're doing throughout the day, and you can spend all day in a sympathetic, in a stressed state very easily, depending on what you're doing in your, your life. Like life is busy and life is stressful um, for everybody. And so you're not going to recover well from that. And so, yeah, your pain and your injuries uh, are not going to go away. So, yeah, definitely. Right, that's a really interesting thing. I think a really good, just a practical thing to do if you're just not in pain. Because think about like we, we, we think the brain is super complicated and it is, but you can actually talk about it in relatively simple terms. If you're going to the gym every day and, and adding like piling high intensity stress onto the system, the system is constantly under stress and threat. It's, it's kind of like it's fighting mm. all the time. The better it's not going to be interested in creating adaptation in strength or whatever it is you're working towards whilst it's still under stress. So if you're going to go and have a really stressful job, stressful with everything else you've got going in your life, banging on loads of stress in your in your training sessions, 
unless you're doing something to actually bring yourself back down to a restorative state, then yeah. the brain's like going, well, there's no, I'm not, I'm not flipping, focusing on anything apart from survival at the moment. Whereas we now go, relax, bring it back down. And the, you've then giving the brain an opportunity to start to be in a state where it can activate those restorative principles. Yeah. So it's, it's that total stress book, isn't it? Yes. And uh, Tony Riddle t- talked about it, um, talked about doing a little bit of breathing um, before eating. And it's, it's a really, it's a good one. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do a breath together in a second. You should notice after you do some of these that you're doing it in and out through your nose so your mouth is closed. You should notice that like a little bit more saliva starts to build up in the mouth. That's your bod. That's one of the signals that your body's getting ready to rest, digest and get towards that um, restorative straight. So l- l- listeners, let's, let's, do, let's do one together. We're not going to have so, an awkward, like noisy breath. No, I can't, one I'm one of those people who doesn't like heavy breathing. Yeah, it shouldn't. And it shouldn't be. It should be nice and silent through the nose, ideally. So it's so slow it's be an awkward deep. pause. Just check in just yeah. to know what's going to happen. So we're going to go... We're going to go in for two, pause for two, out for four, pause for two. You count. All in and out for now. I'm going to count. Okay? So we're going to go in for two, one, two, hold for two, one, two, out for four, one, two, three, four, pause for two, one, two, then in again, one, two, pause for two, one, two, out for four, three, two, one, and pause. So that's just two. But you carry on if you're listening, if you want to. But that, like, it's just something where you've, like, one of it's focusing on your breath and just relaxing. Like, that is going to be a good thing. It's just a little bit mindful and can stop you sort of, as you said, you, you said it perfectly. Like, get out of that stressed effect. It's going to have benefit. Even if, whether it's pain, whether you're in pain or whether you're not, it's going to be spending a little bit less time stressed um, is, uh, is going to be a good thing for the body. Great. So, that comes across, guys. We mean this with all the best intentions. We don't want to point a finger and go, uh-huh, we're not in pain, you are. It's not like that. It's more like we just we don't want anyone to be in pain and we want you to help you to, to become more aware potentially of what the sources could be. And ultimately, it's like, think about it. Your, your body is at its best, your mind is at its best when you're moving freely, moving how you want to move, moving mm. without pain. Just give the body what it wants. And we have to just sometimes humble ourselves, take the ego off, and just uh, and just do what's required to do but to look after this bag of bones and lots of the complicated neural tissue and muscles which are going to see you through for the rest of your life i want to be able to move well when i'm 80 but i know that if i move in pain now and i continue to do that i am not putting money or investment in my physical long-term pension yeah beautiful way to finish um so thank you. We want to so massive thank you to everyone for for listening. Um, if you um, if you've got any thoughts on this, or you think that there's someone you're like, ah, I need to send this to my friend because they need to hear this. Like, send it on, pass it on. Also engage with us. Uh, feedback, anything. Um, I have to give a shout out to uh, Dave Forrester, uh, virtual classroom member. Sent an amazing email after the last um, podcast to us. Like, thank you for him for 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 taking the time to do that and feeding back and just giving us giving us feedback on, you know, how these things are landing, how they're resonating with you. And it just helps us, um, I guess, sculpt our, um, the type, the types of content, the types of things that we're going to be pulling together, uh, moving forward. So thank you for those that do take the time to yeah, message or email. Um, you can get us, Tim's email is tim at schoolcastx.com. Mine is david at schoolcastx.com. Don't get confused between Jacko and David with the same one, uh, with the same person. Um, 
And if you haven't given us a review yet, what do you want them to do, Tim? You need to go to the platform that you choose to listen on. And I'm not even, I, I'm a very much a one platform person. So what I know is you can do reviews on iTunes. I don't actually know if you can do platform reviews on other platforms, but I think iTunes is probably the best one, is it not? I'm, I'm sure you can. A lot of people, a lot of people listen on Spotify. Oh, well, I'm sure if they've got a review-based system and wherever it is that you choose to listen, they, I know they often show you one, two, three, and four, but just ignore those five stars because, come on, that was good content, right? <laughs> Worthy of a little five-star review. And if you put a nice little message in, Jacko and I, if anyone's read the book Love Languages, um, you'll know what I mean, but Jacko and mine's language of love which is getting started to sound weird, but it's affirmations. So we really like it if you give us a little bit of a positive, a little kind of like tap on the back, write something kind, and that will make us, that will motivate us more than we could ever probably tell you. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going with that. I thought you were going to say, me and Jack are in love. Um, well, you, anyway, what you love for language is, is, is personal touch or, or contact, <laughs> which... I'm, I'm quite on with it, but Jacko, as those long-term listeners will know, is an awful hugger. Well, yeah, which is perfect during this current um, <laughs> this current <laughs> pandemic. You're not missing hugging I'm anybody, a- are you? I'm actually struggling. <laughs> I really want to hug some people, but you're like, I'm ho- perfect. I'm hoping that people will be, will people be slightly awkward because they haven't done it in a while and therefore I'll be a bit more normal. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm hoping for. It's one good thing to come out of the back of this. Mate, right. when, we can, when we can hug again, I'm coming in. I was going to say coming <laughs> no. in hard, but I don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's, let's get off this podcast. Until next time. Class dismissed. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts. So we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a load of value out of it, guys. And we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good. Keep it five are the best. Five of your best stars, please. (laughs) And if you would like to find out more about the School of Calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got, head over to our virtual classroom. You can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that is where we have got literally, possibly, the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world. Definitely the best one we've done. And on that note, until next week, class dismissed.